Hello, everyone. Welcome to another Haas Talks. Haas, I'm the Haas, Matt Yankovic, head of open source strategy here at Percona. And today I am with Clint Dovalock. Nailed it. Oh, I, I, I practiced all day long, Clint. Um, and so uh, Clint is from NetFoundry. And, uh, you know, a couple of the folks from NetFoundry are going to be at Percona Live. They're going to be talking. And he, they have a product that kind of piques my interest here. Now, now Clint, I've been talking about security and databases for a while, specifically because I have had my data breached so many mm. times. My mm. daughter has an inheritance of free credit monitoring, and I'm pretty <laughs> sure my grandchildren will eventually have that as well. Because you might, you might consider using a firewall. Well, this is my data breach, right? Like, you know, like I, someone else's, someone else has my data out there. I wish they would protect it better than, than they are, right? Very true. Um, uh, but oh my gosh, yes. Uh, you know, you can't turn around without seeing data being leaked all over the place, database, you know, database breaches, um, uh, this, that, the other thing. And, you know, it's kind of a weird space we're in um, because... We want more data. We have more applications than ever before, but then we're doing a really crappy job in keeping it secure. So, um, sure. you know, yeah. so I, I think we're in that, that weird space. And um, I know there's all the buzzwords around zero trust and, you know. Boy, it's the buzziest of buzzwords right now. It is. It is. So maybe you could tell us, what does that mean? Like, what is zero trust and how does it relate to the database side of things? Yeah, yeah, sure. It's a, it's a great way to start off. So uh, the first thing I'm going to say is while NetFoundry sponsors the OpenZD project, it's not necessarily the product. So uh, Voss, right? Free and open source. Uh, OpenZD is free and open source. You can go get that right now. It's out on GitHub. That's right. Free and open source is where it's at. Uh, so NetFoundry is just the, the main sponsor of that project. Uh, I am a developer on that project. We have quite a few. And uh, where it comes in is OpenZD is actually doing something a little bit different. It's trying to bring zero trust into your applications. Mm -hmm. And so databases, not quite your application maybe, but very important to your application. And so zero trust, what is zero trust? Zero trust in a nutshell is really about having uh having no trust or um, distrust of all networks everywhere. It does not matter if it is a private network in your Amazon data center or in your VPC. It does not matter, matter if it's your home network, like the network I am on. It doesn't matter if it's the coffee shop down the street. Every single network is considered hostile. And that's what zero trust really is all about. There's a few main components of zero trust. The most important is probably a strong identity. So you think of um, X509 certificates are very strong, cryptographically uh, secure identity. And that's what ZD actually uses. We'll also call ZD open ZD. So if you hear me say both, uh, you don't think of the pasta, although we can absolutely get into the pasta jokes. because mm, I, I like I, pasta. I, I promise you. I promise you, they've not all been made yet, but we're getting there. We're getting okay. there. Okay. So uh, strong identity, very important. And then another fundamental pillar of zero trust is authorized before connecting. So when you try to connect to something, if you aren't authorized to connect to that thing, you cannot connect to that thing. And this is actually ahead of even uh, authentication of whatever you're connecting to. So in the, in the terms of databases, you would have a secure 
zero trust connection from your application, whatever that is, over to your database. And then on top of that secure zero trust connection, you would also have your database authentication. So you could you could choose to use no password and rely on OpenZD if you want, but you absolutely could layer on a, a second layer of protection, which is your own username, password, or whatever. You know, maybe if you get a preside, present a certificate, whatever whatever authentication mechanism your your database requires. <laughs> so that's open. So that's up OpenZD, and that's zero trust in a real nutshell. There's a bunch more stuff, but that, I think those are like the key salient points. Okay. Yeah, and I mean, you know, I, I think that you know we have long strived for you know that uh, that zero trust type of uh, setup. I remember back in the day uh, when I was playing around with different distributions, I. I I wanted a secure distribution, so I used OpenSSH or OpenS, uh, Open uh, BSD, OpenBSD, um, which shuts everything off, and you can't do anything with the server. And it was like, oh my god, I can't do a single thing. And, and you know, it was it was yeah. jarring because there was very limited things you could do, but it was super secure. Sure. Um, you know, I think the most secure uh, application is one with uh, no user access, right? So <laughs> no users accessing, it's super secure. But unfortunately- Hard, hard to do. get hacked when nobody can use it. Yes, yes. <laughs> but uh, I, I think that, you know, obviously we want to use it. And so, I, I'm, you know, I'm curious, you know, we, we always talk about um, defense and uh, depths, so layers, you know, yep. you mentioned layers of different defense. Yep. So, you know, obviously application logins, that's, you know, critical. So, from a database perspective, uh, how does how does OpenZD work in doing that zero trust connection? If I understand it correctly, it's it's JDBC or it's it's like the the, the client um, connection so, to the database. Yeah, we're gonna we're gonna put on our swim trunks <coughs> and we're gonna dive right in here because Ooh. it's gonna get, it's gonna get deep real fast. Okay. So um, let me just start out because uh, you know you mentioned the security posture of OpenBSD having default secure by default, right? Mm -hmm. That's a term you'll hear OpenZD toss around, secure by default. What does that mean? It means there are no listening ports on your network. Um, that is ZD's end all be all. If you can, if you can take an open source ZD SDK and put it in your application, and if you can put it into your database, then what you can do is you can actually live in a world where there are no open ports. Mm. And so your database is only addressable on the overlay and not on the underlay. The underlay being, you know, layer three, layer four of the OSI model, TCP, IP, that type of stuff. The overlay being some ethereal layer that OpenZD provides for you, the overlay on top of IP or TCP, um, which is somewhere between layers four and seven, I will just say. So seven's still up there, right? And you could even say maybe ZD might be even layer eight, but we're not going to go there yet. We're like, uh, I like to make the joke that uh, our security goes to 11, right? Have you heard? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> right? Yes. So our, our OSI model goes to eight oh, because, because right. it's one more than seven, right? There you go. There you go. <laughs> so, uh, so how does that work with a database? Uh, a database is a little bit different because generally speaking, you're not you're probably not going to be permitted to take an open ZD SDK and cram it into, you know, MySQL, right? If you want to go and build it, you certainly could, but out of the box, probably not going to do that. So right out of the gate, we have to take one of those core tenants of no ports open. We know we're going to have to have one port open somewhere, but let's put that port just as close as possible to something else. So we have these things we call tunnelers. Mm -hmm. And what they'll do is they'll provide the offload 
from as close as you can get it to the database, ideally right on localhost. If you can put it all the way onto your database server itself, then you can, you can only trust, and this is where trust comes back in, you can only trust your host's network. And presumably that's pretty good, right? Pretty good right there. You could also move that trust zone a bit bigger and trust your private network space if you need to. And so that's the server side of things. Now, when we talk about zero trust and overlay networks, it's very easy to forget that there's a client and a server. I started with a server this time. You started with a client because I'm going to bring it back to the client now. With the client, you have a bunch of options. We, we do these things when you take a ZDSDK and you smush it into an application. We call that a ZTification. You have Zetified it. You've added ZD into it. And so we have Zetified JDBC. So we have a JDBC wrapper, and we'll, I'll talk about that in a second. And then we also just have the straight up ability to create a socket connection. It's effectively a socket connection from your existing uh, infrastructure. So in your, inside of your code itself. So if you are a developer and you're actually writing that app, you can take that Java SDK and just smush it right into your application itself and then just use regular, quote unquote, regular JDBC and mm. you'll be fine. You, that, that will work perfectly well. I have a great video out on YouTube. You can go watch. I use Postgres on my sequel, but um, you know, you, you can go see how I did that with Docker. Now, if you don't have that capability, you're not the Java developer. Maybe you're using like um, what I use locally. You use um, uh, what's that? And I'm trying. I'm blanking on the name of the database tool I use from uh, IntelliJ, not IntelliJ, from JetBrains. Uh, what is the name of that thing? Anyway, so you, you've got your database client locally. I'm going to come up with it. I, I'm that's totally what, blanking. That's okay. That's okay. I'm totally blanking on it right now. But you've you've got that client that is capable of having a JDBC driver added to it, you can take our ZDBC driver, which is all we do. If there's a, if there's a letter that can be replaced with Z for ZD, we'll do it. So <laughs> instead, of, instead of JDBC, we got ZDBC, right? That's Zedified JDBC. And, and what that is, is it's Zoscris a SQL. Yeah, perfect. Mm. I love it. So that's a, it's a jar that you can include into your uh, client, uh, like a dBeaver is another another good example. You can you can add it to your client. The client will bootstrap that jar, and that jar is smart enough to know how to poke the actual driver that you actually want. And so what it will do is it's not its own driver. That's really important. If it was its own driver, it's a maintenance nightmare on our side. We'd have to build drivers for everybody. That's not how JDBC works. That's not how ZDBC works, I mean. So what we'll do is we'll we'll just poke JDBC in all the right places on your behalf. You provide a slightly different JDBC-looking URL, and then uh, suddenly you have a zero-trust connection that knows how to ride on the overlay and knows how to offload from that tunneler at the other side as closest to the database as you can get it. And so you could have that, that MySQL server with no open ports to your local network, one local port to your local host, but not your local network, not your wide area network. Mm -hmm. And that would be how you would do it. Okay. So there's and two so different kinds of Zedifications there. The, the I, I can build it into my app and the I have an app and I'm going to take your driver and put it into it. Okay. So I'm going to oversimplify this just to make sure I got it. Right. And, um, you know, because it, commonly when we're, we're using either Postgres or we're using, you know, uh, MySQL or, you know, Mongo or, or other databases in the, in the space, you know, there's often um, a, a proxy server or HA proxy or something to do load balancing or something to do redirects. 
basically your tunneler is something like that, but it's not exposing any ports externally. It's just there for the ZDE connection, correct? That, that, that's, that's exactly right. And okay. it can do it can do load balancing. Oh, okay. So uh, it, it also serves that purpose. If you need to have three you know, machines, you can have a, a precedence set on that connection that says, this is my main one, only use this if I have to fail over, or you can just round robin it, you know, you can do that sort of stuff too. Okay. Okay. And <clears throat> so, you know, as, as we talk about, you know, that, that connection, um, you know, most of us are, are used to setting up like an SSL connection between the app and the database, right? So, you know, you, you'll do that and then you'll have your normal encryption. You can't see that connection because of, you know, the layer it's in, right? And that, that's, that's kind of the secret sauce there is it's kind of hidden. It's, it's poked in the, uh, the multiverse, if you will, it's the dimensional <laughs> gateway, uh, you know, to it is, it, it is kind of a bit of black magic. There's no question okay. about that. Yeah. 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 Um, and, and so you're right. I would still encourage you to use a TLS connection when you set up your drive, your driver, because even though you have that one local port on that one local host, if somebody got on that local host, you know, if you're not using a secure, um, protocol it is technically able to be you know, well, let's be honest, out. if they're on the local host, you got way more problems too, right? It's like, I mean, usually very true. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Very yeah. true. Um, you know, no. And I mean, I think that, that that's where it's, again, it's defense in depth, right? You know, like, so Absolutely. make it as difficult as possible once you get there. Um, you know, so, so that, that's pretty cool. So, um, you know, so, so, so in this space, you know, you, you, you probably come across a lot of different use cases or a lot of different, you know, problems that people are trying to solve. You know, what are those common things that people are are seeing in the space while they're looking to uh, OpenZD uh, to solve it? Like, are there specific things that have happened or, you know, occurrences or things that they're really trying to protect against? Yeah, you know, uh, it's really varied um, okay. because OpenZD is that magic tunnel that gets you from point A to point B securely using strong identities, using all that zero trust network and principle goodness. Um, you can literally run anything that you want over it, but there are quite a few common, very, very common use cases. The DevOps space is one that mm. lots gets lots and lots of attraction because um, I went to a B-Sides event. I don't know if you're familiar with B-Sides, but it's a security focused conference. At the B-Sides event, there was a great presentation, and in that presentation, it was given by a fellow from the company Snowflake, and he was talking about how he runs red team, blue team exercises, and he has he said he has never seen a red team fail an exercise, and the red team are the attackers, blue is the defenders. They've ne he's never seen a red team fail an exercise if they were given access to Jenkins. So <laughs> Jenkins CI/CD pipeline incredibly important, right? We've we've all heard about um, supply chain attacks. Jenkins is right in the middle of your supply chain. Uh, he's never seen a red team fail if they gave any access to Jenkins, which is pretty astonishing. We've had we had our Jenkins on the open internet because you know as our DevOps fellow that we have here, a site reliability engineer, he calls himself, um, that his job is basically to, to open holes in firewalls because that's what has to happen to make the business run. With OpenZD, we're able to take all those and, and hide them totally. <laughs> so we have a little agent that we run locally. If you don't have the capability of running um, it in the application, like we were talking about before, those tunnelers. So I have a tunneler running on my local machine right now. And that's how I get to Jenkins. That's how I'll get to Grafana. 
that's how I will I will SSH from my machine to a production machine. We don't have a bastion in the in the cloud anymore. We have a hidden bastion. We have a great blog post about what a dark bastion even means. How can you have a dark bastion? You have to have your bastion listening on port 22 somewhere. Well, you don't when you have an open ZD connection. So those are some of the big ones. Um, I also did a, a video about SSHing in general. We we ZDified and we made a Z, an SSH client which is capable of SSHing to machines that don't have SSH open at all, hmm. which is kind of it's kind of neat. So um, those are the I'd say those are the big ones. Uh, but look, we have lots of uh, we have a customer who likes to provide access to their engineers. Uh, so the access is provided to their engineers through OpenZD as opposed to a VPN. Okay. When you're on a v, when you're on a VPN, which is the classic way of doing things, and then so what happened was COVID came around. Everybody left the office and oh, went yeah. home, and work from home became a, a nightmare. Right? VPN was over. Uh, they were overloaded everywhere because all of a sudden there's all these connections they didn't expect before, and you know people didn't like their VPNs anymore. So. Uh, we have some big customers who use OpenZD in a way of replacing their VPN, but in a more controlled fa fashion. With OpenZD, you can control access to the service. So if I told you you had access to port 80, you could only access port 80. You can't access any other ports whatsoever. So um, it's much more it's a much more secure way of, than, a, than a standard VPN where you generally have access to every port that is available and every IP on your VPN. So we have lots of lots of people use that, but that's not our target, right? Our big target is actually app embedded. It's mm. that's really okay. like if I were to tell you what the future is, you know, maybe this is me having some of that Kool-Aid that is so popular, but um, it's really application embedded technology. That's really where OpenZD shines. Now it's a journey to get there, right? Like I can't just go add OpenZD to Jenkins because I'm not Jenkins. But um, for, for, for the most people, we'll still have our tunnelers because there will be programs that aren't Zetified yet. And I'll make my Zetified apps and I'll provide my private connectivity over, you know, commodity internet wherever I am. Does not matter where I am because I treat everything as hostile, including my local computers network as hostile. And so that's where really, that's where OpenZD really shines. And those are the kinds of use cases I think are probably the most prominent ones. Okay. Well, I like to kind of move away from some of the technical talk and do a rapid fire question. So yeah. ooh, who doesn't like rapid fire questions um, to get I'm to ready. know you a little bit more and to let our mm -hmm. audience know who you are, um, you know, in, in case they're, they're interested. So um, they are completely random questions that just pop into my head. So, so there is no prep work for it that you can do, like, unless you can read my brain, which would be really scary. Maybe. 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 So, you know, um, what, you know, what do you think is the biggest, uh, you know, potential security threat in the coming years? Like what, what do you see on the horizon that could cause some issues? Well, I mean, it's not even on the horizon. It's right in front of us, right? Like this is why zero trust is everywhere. It is literally the land and expand of networks. There's something a fellow says that uh, I, I liked, which is networks were meant to share information, not secure information. Right. Which mm. is absolutely it's absolutely true. You know, you, you make a network so you can connect somewhere else. And and inherently you are opening yourself up to attacks like 
I love the log for shell. I mean, I don't love it, but I mean, like it's it's just like there there was this vulnerability in, in Java. I'm a longtime Java developer, and log for J is a library that mm-hmm. you would just bake into your application. And if you poked log for J just right, then you you could gain access to that machine, run whatever command you wanted to it, and um, <clears throat> so. NetFoundry OpenZD has a mascot called OpenZiggy. And OpenZiggy loves to tweet about CVSS scores. And CVSS is, uh, you said not technical. I'm going technical. Well, no, you can be technical. Uh, (laughs) Like, this is just a random popcorn question. That's totally cool. So CVSS is cool because it's uh, it's a way of gauging a vulnerability, how how, uh, troublesome a vulnerability Mm -hmm. is. You see something over nine, you better act. So Ziggy, he loves to find vulnerabilities that are attack vector network, permissions required, none. If you have an attack vector network, permissions require none. That means you can be attacked from anywhere on the internet. Log for shell was a 10. Like you can gain root command access to that machine from anywhere in the world that had log for shell, that log for shell vulnerability on it. So like it's right here, it's right in front of us. This is why I really believe <laughs> zero trust and, and, you know, application embedded zero trust is the future. So I think that's the biggest, I mean, so- and we're, we're seeing it with Ukraine. Well, well, yeah, I mean, so this is an interesting one because as you talk about like zero trust and you talk about like supply chain type issues or you talk about, you know, CVs, like like the log4j stuff, that was something that was, whether it was malicious or not, I think it was just a mistake, right? You know, hey. Totally. Easy to make that mistake. Right? Like it's a bug. I've I've probably made that mistake. Right? It's a bug. (laughs) You know, like it's, it's something that's missed. But you start to see that there are people who we have put our trust into, especially in the open source space, because right now we are in a CICD world where it is grab your code, the latest version off of GitHub and deploy. Yeah. Just go. Yeah. Right. Why would you, why would you not get the latest? Don't you always want the latest? Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, you know, Hey, we're just going to deploy and we're going to see what happens. Right. You know, right. Um, and you saw with um, you know the, the the famous nuked JavaScript apps, right? Like so, we we had uh, colors and uh, you know uh, you know a couple others, and then there was so you mentioned Ukraine. There was there was some some other open source software that you know if if you happen to be in certain regions of the you know the world that it like totally screwed up your website. Um, so you could call it the rise in one case of protestware, or you could call it the rise of you know nuking. We put a lot of trust into different components or different locations that probably haven't earned or can keep that trust, which is a different thing than talking about like, you know, a a malicious hacker who is specifically targeting your network. And that's an interesting place, right? Like it's, it's, it's something that I think as an industry, we're going to have to pivot and, and figure out how to resolve. But hackers don't have to target your network at all. That's the worst part about it. They target all networks everywhere. It's, you know, they just scan open ports and say vulnerable, you know, it's like, uh, so there's this great movie from the nineties called the lawnmower man. I don't know if you remember it. Yes. I remember the lawnmower man, but, but spoiler alert. All right. So anybody who doesn't want to hear how the lawnmower man ends, spoiler alert at the end. They're in virtual reality. Do you remember this scene? Mm-hmm. And Job is trying to escape because the protagonist had cut the landline back in landline days, right? And so now Job, the the antagonist, is stuck in virtual reality, and he's sitting there and he's he's doing all this little you know. And you hear access denied, access denied, 
access denied. And what he's doing is he's dialing all of the ports outbound from his virtual reality space, looking for a port so that he can escape, right? And that's what these people are doing. They're just dialing every single port that's everywhere until they find one and they get that access granted. And when they get that access granted, they just start hammering at it. That's why to go back to the bastion point I made earlier, like if you leave your SSH server on the open internet and just, just watch what happens, like you're going to see attack after attack after attack after attack. It's going to just test for strong ciphers. Are you using good ciphers? Are you using a use, reuse password? Here's a rainbow table attack or all the other passwords there might be, right? Like it, it just happens. So uh, uh, supply chain is a whole different one, like supply chain and, and the building aspect of things, the, the inclusion of the software Definitely very different. In fact, that was what the B-Sides talk I watched was about, was securing supply chain. Um, and how, how this shocked me, how shockingly easy it was to compromise Vault from within Kubernetes. Well, I, I had never seen. But I mean, yeah, I mean, like, I mean, so, so you, you've, you've got... It, it, it's, it's the cascading impact, right? So... Um, you know, I, I've been in the open source space for 20 years. I love open source. Open source is awesome. Um, a lot of the, the folks in the open source space are overwhelmed. And we saw that recently, you know, like University of Minnesota, they had a whole class who just tried to introduce, you know, uh, oh, vulnerabilities yeah. into the kernel, right? Yeah, um, so which, cool. which, which is like, let's see what we can get away with. Yeah. Um, and then you had okay. like these other examples that and we that had. was just, and that was just college students, like, you know, not being particularly nefarious about it. Well, right. And, um, you know, I, I think that, you know, like we've seen this kind of evolution there, but when you you know, you put that into a, whether it's a Jenkins space or a Kubernetes or a Terraform space, if you're able to get to one of those nodes, the, the controller of the configuration, the controller of, you know, what is, you know, setting configuration, setting, um, you know, like, like uh, orchestrating or, uh, you know, building out the servers. Oh my gosh. Like you take a problem that is potentially like one server's hacked and now like, you know, malicious code can be deployed to 10,000. Um, it's kind of scary. It's terrifying. It could happen in a heartbeat. No, yeah. no question. Yeah. yeah the, uh, the, the supplying of uh, securing the supply chain is shockingly complicated. And uh, <laughs> so I, I actually Ziggy tweeted this one one day because that same fellow Ziggy follows him and there was some problem with some CVE with NPM. And MP, it reminded me of the DNS haiku, if you recall, right? Uh, it's not DNS. There's no way it was DNS. It was DNS. Yeah. Right? <laughs> so like when, when I saw the CVE came out, I was like, it's not NPM. There's no way it's NPM. Uh, it was NPM, right? Yeah. Like I'm not dissing NPM because it's, it's great. But uh, the, the number of vulnerabilities that are coming specifically from that space lately have been significant. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that was a little more than rapid fire there, but that's okay. So we'll <laughs> move on to the next thing, which is, um, what is your favorite tool that you use on a daily basis? My favorite tool. You know, what's really exciting for me is Windows subsystem for Linux. Okay. I am one of the people who enjoys using Windows generally because I like my software to just work. So it's nice when it does just work. Uh, and Windows Subsystem for Linux is a breath of fresh air for some fellow like me who has been running virtual machines forever. I also okay. love my virtual. I also love my virtual box. So Windows Subsystem for Linux and the Windows Terminal. Some of the things that lately I've been really excited for. Okay. And uh, do you hack away at code very often? 
Yeah, every day. I was doing it earlier. Favorite programming um, language? Oh, favorite. For sh- right now, it's Go, for sure. Go. Okay. If, you, if you'd asked me before, it would have been C Sharp, and before that, it would have been Java. Oh, okay. Okay. Least favorite? Least favorite is probably JavaScript. It's oh. maybe Python. Okay. It's going to be any any dynamically typed language. I have a strong disdain for anything really? that can be dynamically. Yeah, yeah, strong. Um, I'm a typed guy through and through, so TypeScript is a big improvement for <laughs> JavaScript. But uh, Python gets a special place in my heart from the whole concept that you are encouraged <laughs> to monkey patch things. Like, that's just totally normal. Like, go ahead and change the functionality any way you see fit. Go for it. That's That's encouraged. But, you know, it's hard to argue with something that works, right? Like working software trumps everything. And so if you can get it to work and that was what you had to do, hey, I got the job done. There you go. Uh, You're wearing a Star Wars t-shirt. Favorite movie. Favorite one of them. You know, I like Rogue One the best. Really? That was, was, yeah. I think that was, I I saw something on Reddit recently about how there needs to be more wars in Star Wars. And Rogue One was was a war movie, largely, and relatively sad ending. If everybody hasn't seen, I'm not going to spoil that one because that's kind of recent. But uh, relatively, relatively sad ending on that one. Worst Star Wars movie? Oh, worst. It's got to be. Uh, I don't even remember the, the episode one. Whatever, uh, A New Hope. Is that what it is? I, I can't even remember. Like the original, the '77 version? Uh, no, uh, no, no. That's episode three or four, my friend. Oh, right? oh, 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 one, two, three, you said four, A New five, Hope. Six. A New Hope no, no. was. No, no. Was no the I'm f- trying to come up with. Yeah, oh, what, what uh, the the one with the one. kid, the kid with Anakin. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. The the uh, Phantom Menace. Phantom Menace. There we go. Thank you. Yeah, yeah. yeah. not a New Hope. No, no, not yeah, a New Hope. That's Jar Jar Binks yeah. episode. Yeah, it was rough. <laughs> <laughs> a lot of hope for that movie, and it all that was fell rough. flat. Oh, That's terrible. And plus, you know, Natalie Portman, great actress, but somehow the director made her come off just just horrible, just so bad. Well, she <laughs> is the new Thor. I saw that. That's pretty neat. So she's yeah. the new Thor. So That's there you go. The hammer. There you go. There you go. Well, Clint, thank you for swinging on by, chatting with us a little bit about zero trust. You know, yeah, sharing some of uh, some of some of the rapid fire questions there at the end. Um, appreciate you uh, hanging out, and uh, you know, you, you've got a colleague who's going to be speaking at Percona Live, and uh, by the time this podcast is released, it's probably going to be done. But you can check out the recording, which will be online, which will be cool. Um, I bet people will love it. Yeah, I'm sure they will, especially if you're into securing databases. And for the love of God, please do that. Um, yeah, and if you could, can I can I say, uh, OpenZD, free open source software. Go to open, go to GitHub.com slash OpenZD slash ZD and give it a star because it helps us get that word out there, right? We, we're trying to, to let people know that application security and just security in general is probably really important absolutely for your database especially for your apps absolutely and um you know so clint where, where can they find you on twitter linkedin all of the socials oh sure yeah uh you can find me at twitter it's my last name d-o-v-h-o-l-u-k i have no followers don't well don't bother follow me follow open ZD, which is out there and open ziggy z-i-g-g-y okay both of which are totally out there um we have a youtube channel I usually do something very similar to this uh, live stream. It's more of a coffee style chat. We just talk tech. You know, you're welcome to come if you're interested. Anytime. Uh, we're, yeah, we just talk about talk about random stuff. Um, usually, it's open ZD related. Doesn't have to be, but that's a cool YouTube channel that we have. We got the Twitters. Uh, we also have a discourse forum if you're interested in open ZD and you want to ask questions. 
And don't forget that star. I need that star. You need, need the star. star. It's like the star. like and subscribe, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> Speaking of liking and subscribing, if you're watching this, like, subscribe, and leave comments. You know, tell us uh, what you'd like to see in the future. We would like that and appreciate it. Um, well, until next time, thank you for hanging out with us today, and uh, we'll catch you later. Wow, what a great episode that was. We really appreciate you coming and checking it out. We hope that you love open source as much as we do. If you like this video, go ahead and subscribe to us on the YouTube channel. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and LinkedIn. And of course, tune in to next week's episode. We really appreciate you coming and talking open source with us.